Well, it's great to be worshiping here with you, and uh, great to have you here this morning. You know, I was thinking back this past week, trying to get prepared for today, and just reflecting on where we've been. You think back from September all the way through to really early March as we walked through these passages of Scripture and walked through these uh, little booklets that we had made up and made much of God through His Word. And, And really, here's what we were learning. Lord, how do you want to go about changing me, right? And there's a word for that, okay? That's called sanctification. That's the big word, sanctification. And everybody just say that word with me sanctification. And here's what that means. It means after salvation, everybody say after, after salvation, God doing a work to change my whole being. But it's after salvation. First we're saved, then God starts doing the work. First he declares over us what he's then going to do in us, right? And that's what it means to be saved, justified, as he declares us then uh, pure before him and starts to make that true, okay? And so we've been looking at the sanctification process over the past months here, and what does it mean for God's work to be invested into me? What does it mean for me to be invested into that, and how do we go about it? And with the encounter, exalt, engage, that brings it all together, sort of the sanctification process of us partnering with him. That said, I thought maybe today we should make sure we've got the right start. So let's back the truck up even before sanctification, maybe even before salvation, and let's make sure we grasp and understand what it is to start right, what it is to be saved, what it is to trust in Christ as our Savior, all right? So do this for me. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, starting in verse 16, and we're going to walk this passage. Some of you know this passage well, and uh, there may be things you're going to hear today that you maybe never heard before in it, and we're going to walk the depth of this passage, all right? So John 3, 16, and uh, let's get started here. The things to start right, first step, believe that Jesus is God and is raised from the dead, and you will have eternal life. Believe that Jesus is God and is raised from the dead, and you will have eternal life. So let's just start out here in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let's just hang there. He starts out, For God so loved the world. For Uh, That word actually means because, right? And uh, so it's connected to what's going on before it. And he's like, hey, there were some things I just got done saying, and they're true because. And now he's explaining why. What did he just get done saying? Well, look in the verse prior. Look at verses 14 and 15. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It says, so as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, what is he talking about? Okay, there's this Old Testament story going on, true story that actually happened. There's the snakes and serpents that get into the camp of Israel, and they're being bitten by these poisonous snakes, and Moses is told, raise up this serpent on a a pole, and as he raises up this image of a serpent on a pole and holds it up, if they look at that image, and uh, the bites will not kill them. In fact, maybe not even be bitten. 
And uh, there's a safety that's coming as they're looking at the serpent raised up in front of them, and they're saved from what's going on around them, the poison in the world around them. And uh, everybody say, that's a type. Right? And so we've talked about this before, right? The word type, it's a literary term, and it means it's a story in the Old Testament reflecting forward to something so much more important. And uh, how do we know it's a type? It doesn't say it's a type when Moses is raising it up. He's not like, this is a type, and ulti- right? That's not what happens. So how do we know? Well, we know because John chapter 3, verse 14 says it is. That's how we know. And uh, that's the safest way to be identifying types is to make sure you're seeing a New Testament pointing back to it, saying this is a big deal. And uh, he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, everybody say that's a big deal, so must the Son of Man, that's Jesus, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That means on the cross. And so Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, will be lifted up on the cross. And as you look upon him, so as they looked upon this serpent raised up and were protected from it, so then we can be saved from the poison, the sin, the hurt of this world that so train wrecks us and walks us away from our God. It says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Belief in him brings eternal life. Why is all this true? And uh, verse 16, for because God so loved the world. And we walk past that phrase and we jump to the back end too fast. For God so loved, just so you know, there's a word in the original language that sits there that makes them translate the word so into it. It wasn't the guys translating and they're like, this is a big deal. Let's just put the word so in front of it. Like, that's not what's going on. As they're translating, there's actually a Greek word there that intensifies the love. It doesn't say for God liked us. It doesn't say for God loved us. It says for God so loved the world. And we got to get that. This word so is huge. It must be emphasized. Just say the big word so with me. Ready? So. Okay, get ready. You're going to need to say it with me as we read it. For God loved the world. Man, now we're starting to get what he's talking about. This is not some little sacrifice. This is a massive love for you, for you. And it says, for God so loved the world. And sometimes that can be translated as uh, the earth, the physical, tangible stuff you can pick up. Other times it's translated as the people of it. And we can see here by what's going on in the call to action of people. This is meaning the people, all the inhabitants of the world. Question, do you inhabit this earth? Do you inhabit this earth? Real answer. Yeah, so this is you. God so loves you. There is an allness to Jesus Christ and his provision, and we got to get real on that. And uh, opened up to all, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he gave his only son. We're going to come back to that word gave in just a second, that he gave his only son. You see, here's the deal. When we trust in Christ, it says that we are adopted as his children, Romans chapter 8, that you are counted as the child of the king, man. That means you would be a son 
or a daughter. And Jesus is a son. And so Jesus is actually your brother. Did you know that? If you've trusted Christ, man, you have the best big brother ever, right? No, no doubt about it. He is your brother. He is also the son of God. Check this now. It says the word though, the only son. What does that mean? Some of yours say the only begotten son of God. Look, there's a deep, specific, personal relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus Christ, he is a portion of God, right? There are three persons, one God. So there is a very unique sonship that he has that we do not share with him. In that regard, only, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and those two in this deep, personal union and relationship. And there is a decision, notice it says by God, it doesn't say God the Father here, by God, the whole Trinity deciding together the plan as they move forward. And God the Father then giving up God the Son because he loves you. Huge. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That whoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, The word believe, best understood as um, trusting to a point that engages the whole self. Belief. A trust that engages the whole self. See, in America, we ruin these words. We've talked about this with the word hope, right? Man, hope. Well, I hope so. And it basically means there's little shot, if any, I'm just wishing it could be true, right? And we use the word belief the same way. Oh, I believe so. And we're talking about it like cognitively. We're thinking through it and we're thinking, if I remember correctly, I think maybe it's true. It's some kind of mental assent. It's it's an agreeing thinking-wise. And and everybody say, that's not what it means. We got to make sure we capture what's meant in this passage And in the whole of Scripture, when belief is talked about, it means I am trusting in you to the point where it is calling me to act. I will act in accordance with my belief. It is so true that I'm acting upon it. Belief brings action. It does. It's the whole of yourself engaged into this thing. And man, if you are just playing a head game with Christ... It needs to end today. The right start is it's way more than just I'm thinking about them. It's, Lord, may I so trust in you that you can shape the whole of me. Belief, it's not just intellectual, it's in engaging your whole self. And it says that we should not perish but have eternal life, that we should not perish. Literally, this word means spiritual destruction or spiritual corruption It's a horrific statement. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 9, uh, verse 11, Revelation 9, verse 11, it's actually talking about Satan there. It calls him the king of the bottomless pit, right? Him in charge of the nasty, the hell of what's being talked about in Revelation, the king of the bottomless pit. And what it says there in Revelation 9, 11, it calls him the, and it's the same word, destroyer. The one who destroys the spiritual, corrupts the spiritual, Satan's name. And uh, just so you know, perishing means underneath the rule of the king of the bottomless pit. 
right? That's what it's talking about, hell. And we need to get that square. We're all in a position from the beginning of birth on where we're in need of a savior. And this is our position that we are perishing, that we are headed for problem without our savior. It says, but those who believe in him will have eternal life, eternal life. And I just wrote these words down. Uh, Life with the most loving, most fulfilling, most awe-inspiring, most life-enjoying God of the universe. That's eternal life. There is nobody more fun, nobody more intelligent, nobody more loving, nobody more sweet, more caring, more powerful than your God, period. May we never be distracted with the lesser and think small of this eternal life we can have with him. It rocks our world as we begin to taste even a little of what he's talking about. He gave his only son that we might have that. What does that mean? All right, let me just read this to you. This is Luke chapter 27, verses 45 on. Luke chapter 27. This is Jesus Christ on the cross for you. For you. Ready? Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Can you imagine? Pitch black in the middle of the day. Three hours of darkness. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling out Elijah. Why would they say that? Well, because if you were to pronounce the name Elijah in Hebrew, it's Eliyah. Sounds pretty close to Eli. And they thought that he was crying out the name of Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. And are you hearing that? This whole crucifixion was a show for them. And they were waiting to see if something cool might come. And so they weren't going to give him anything to drink or any water or whatever. The other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah would come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, and we all know what to say when we see the word behold, right? Check it out, right? Behold, this is a huge moment. Behold, the curtain of the temple. Remember that statement two weeks ago when we were looking at Right? The curtain of the temple in Hebrews, we're looking at that, it was torn in two from top to bottom. Everybody say that's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? Because when man walked through the curtain, it was bottom opened up to top and it would close. When God steps in to fix it, it is top to bottom. It says, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Everybody say, that's a big deal, right? Huge power going on in Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Testimony. When the centurion and those who were with them, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe. And they said, 
truly this was the Son of God. Do you believe? Do you believe like they believe? I'm not talking about do you have some mental ascent that maybe Jesus Christ died on the cross or rose again. Maybe there's some guy named that. I'm talking like do you believe? Are you in with your God? Are you committed to him? And a huge privilege for us to know him. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. God did not send him to condemn, but that we might be saved. Not to condemn, but that we might be saved. It's a huge statement for us to grasp. And uh, I'm just telling you, if we don't understand that Christ is here to save, we've missed the whole point. Not to condemn the world. In other words, Christ's goal was not to just put us in bad stead. In love for you, and an understanding that the sin in your life needs to be removed. And there is nothing that removes sin except the blood of the perfect. And Jesus Christ alone is that for us. Him for me. He came to save you. Do you believe. I mean committed in, sold out in for your Savior. Lord, I'm trusting in you with all I've got. Please notice it talks about the privilege of eternal life. I thought that I would just read that to Revelation 21 verse 5, or sorry, verse 3. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is talking about heaven now. Behold, the dwelling place of God is now with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Jesus Christ came to restore. And all of God's people said, Jesus Christ came to turn things around to what had been originally put in place. Jesus Christ came to remove death, to remove the power of sin, to raise us up and give us a place of no pain, no doubt, no hurt, no question, no anxiousness, done as we fix our eyes on the most awesome being in the universe, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, he is fixing things once and for all. As he goes to the cross, as he rises again from the dead, it says we must believe. And uh, I just wanna make sure we get this super clear. What does it mean to believe? Believe. Romans 10 says that we must believe that he is raised from the dead. Do you believe that? Believe that he is raised from the dead. He is alive. There is authority in him. There is power in him. My God rules over death, over sin. Believe that he is risen. Believe that he is God Almighty who is covering 
what nothing else can cover in your life. John chapter 14, verse 6 says that there is one way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And are you trying some other way? It's time to set it down. It's time to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. We say it this way. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Admit that you are in dire need of a Savior. Admit that you are not perfect. Admit that you're a sinner, as Scripture would call the word out. I do my own thing. I've gone my own way. Admit it. No more fighting on it. Set it down before him. That's usually the easy one, right? If we can't admit we're perfect, all we have to do is ask a family member. They'll make it pretty clear for us, right? (laughs) Admit. But it's more than that. B, believe. Believe that he has risen from the dead. Believe. He is God Almighty, and he has it covered, and with full authority, he is risen. Believe. Romans 10, 9. And there's a lot of people in this room that may have admitted and believed, American style. I mentally assent that he has somehow risen. He can do that for me if he wants. But we don't make it personal. You have my heart now. I'm following after you. You are my God. I believe in you. I am wholly, fully engaged. You are my king. I'm in. No more of this. Sure, go ahead. You can die on the cross for me. That's fine. I'm just still going to do my thing over here, though. Hear me now. That's not saved. You hear me? Please be very careful with this and don't toy around with words and definitions of words. Man, we are called to a full-out trust of our God and putting our heart in his hands, and he's in charge. We are convinced that he has risen from the dead. He is God Almighty, and I'm counting on him. You have me wholly in. Are you in? This past week, we've had a pretty fun time, actually, week and a half as things have been going on around staff. I'm just telling you, we've had a number of people as we've been walking through the sanctification process, realizing along the way, I don't have this thing square with God at all. And uh, We had somebody come up last Sunday and say, just so you know, my life has been completely changed. I've completely handed my life over to Christ. I didn't know what I was doing, and I'm, I'm, I'm so in now, and... And and Monday, we had one of our pastors meeting with a couple and being able to talk through some things. And as he made clear who Christ was and really just walking through the basics of the gospel like we are right now. And in the end, they're like, we haven't done anything like that. And would you like to? Yes. Right now? Yes. Mark's quote was, and this is almost too easy. God doing the work as they trusted Christ and are saved. We had somebody come in later in the week and just say, man, in the last few weeks, I've just been amazed with what God's doing and and I decided that's it. I need to get down on my knees before God. And How about you? 
Do not let this moment go by. No more toying around, man. Time to get started with your king. And all of God's people said, hang on. We're going to look at a second point here. Point number two. Run to Jesus Christ. Do not hide from the light and cling to your selfish ideals and actions. Run to Jesus Christ. Do not hide from the light and cling to your selfish ideals and actions. Done with the hiding, done, done with the selfishness. Run to Jesus Christ. It says here, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Starting in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Everybody say not condemned. Man, if you believe in him, not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Are you hearing that? Man, we are in a dire strait from the moment we are born. We stand before a king in rebellion, and it says condemned already. That's a past tense done and over. We're in a spot of problem. We need a savior. If you have not trusted Christ as savior, if you have not believed in him, this passage is so blatantly clear, condemned already. The good news. That's what Jesus Christ went to the cross for to shift that condemnation onto him, him for me. You hear me? To be able to take the penalty of sin that you owe and have Christ cover that and remove the sin from you, him for me. That's the power in Jesus Christ. That's the big deal of rallying together here and making much of our Savior is that, man, the condemned already gets removed and changed to not condemned. And all of God's people said, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And hear those words, no condemnation. There is safety and security in our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we hand it all to him. Believe that he is risen from the dead. Confess You are Lord of the universe, and you are Lord of my life. Take over God. That's saved. He says here, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Believing in the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved period. He says after it, and this is the judgment. The light, everybody say that's Jesus. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Have you ever found yourself in those moments of sin where you're like, yeah, I'm really not interested in giving it up right now. It feels too good. It has too much momentary payoff. And I'm pleading with you today, hear me. It's time to be done with that momentary sin and set it down and come to your Savior, the light, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, King of the universe, Messiah, 
Savior, Rock, Redeemer, Fortress, Salvation. Come to Jesus Christ and stop toying around, man. It's time to hand it to him. It's time for your God to be given us all. You know, there's some other words here after it that talk about uh, works. It says that uh, works might be exposed, and he kind of walks through some details and what are works. And I ended up finding a verse that just really rocked me, John 6, 29. Jesus is being challenged by the disciples, and he said, here's the works of the Father to believe in the one he sent. Are you hearing it? Man, what does it mean to engage with my God? To believe in Jesus Christ, the one he sent, and to count on him. True belief will beget action. May God rock your world. And uh, man, it's time to put a stake in the ground. It's time to make sure you know exactly where you stand with Jesus Christ and have it covered. As I just said, we had a number of people this past week who let us know that they've been saved in various ways, shapes, and forms over the past weeks. And I thought, what better thing to do than to just take a moment right here for us to have an opportunity to think on these things and possibly right here in this moment, hand your life over to Christ and be done fighting and believe. Admit, not perfect. Believe. You are risen from the dead. You are God Almighty, and there is power in your name. And confess, you are now my Lord. I'm giving you charge of my life. So let's just do this. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes right here where we are. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up too. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. We still got another point we're going to go through, so just hang on. But let's just bow our heads and close our eyes where we're at. And I'm going to ask this. Man, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've already trusted Jesus, be praying right now. There might be somebody in this room right here, and it's time for them to believe. Just be praying that this room is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, and you're like, it's time, I need to do this, and just let your God know that you admit, you believe, and you confess. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud, and if you want, just pray it after me, quietly where you're at, just letting God know, I'm in. I believe and I confess I'm in. Just pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit, I admit that I am not perfect. I admit I've been doing this myself. I believe. God, I believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. I believe. And now I'm ready to hand my life over and confess you as Lord. Please take over in my life. I'm all in. I believe and I confess. Father, I thank you that you promise that if you believe and confess, you are saved.
I claim that now, that I'm saved. No condemnation because of you and your work on the cross. I worship you and I thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my God, amen. Everybody just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, all right? Here's the deal. There's nothing magic about a prayer where you can say whatever you want to say to commit and believe and confess. But man, if you just prayed these words or something like them in commitment, I would love to be able to pray for you. And uh, my request would be just raise your hand right where you are. Let me know so that I can pray for you, okay? I see that hand, bro. Amen. I would love to pray for you. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. I see your hand up there. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. Got you, man. Amen. I see your hand. And if you've trusted Christ, amen. I got your hand. Amen. 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 And God is moving right now in this place. Amen. I see your hand. And if you are trusting in Christ, please hear me. It is not the raising of your hand. It is the believing and confessing. But I want to pray for you. If you're trusting in Christ right now and you're in, just let me know. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Don't miss out. Don't step aside from it. Man, I got you back there. Man. Man. moment. All right. Now I ask the next question. If you already trust in Christ, but it's time to recommit to him, I'm so in, I'm done toying around. And make that commitment to your king right now. Just right where you stand, Lord, I'm in. Maybe it's a please forgive me, getting things square. right. Let me pray for those who would raise their hands. Father God, we are in awe. In awe that you move, in awe that you stir, in awe that you change our souls. That you move us from already condemned to not condemned. And Jesus Christ is the one who paid for us. Lord, we worship you and we celebrate you. Scripture tells us that when one comes to trust in you, that the angels celebrate Man, there was a thunderous cry in heaven right now as you have moved in this room. And we so thank you for that, Lord. And we praise you and we worship you. We just pray now for each person who has raised their hand. Lord, be with them. Stir in them. Give them a passion to move with you like never before. A clarity of who you are like never before an ability to lean on your word like never before. Lord, may your spirit rock their world as they walk with you now, headed for eternity. Praise be to God. Lord, we love you. We worship you. 
We praise you. And it is in the saving name of Jesus Christ that we as a body pray these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's a good start to a week. Amen. And be praying for these who have raised their hand. And uh, let's make sure we make much of our Savior. And all of God's people said, I have no idea how to transition to point three, so here we go. (laughs) Point three. First believe, then be baptized. First believe, then be baptized. When we're talking about getting a right start, we take a stand for our Savior. We believe in Him. And then we long for Him to be made much of. And uh, I'm just going to do a couple things here. Uh, If you look in John chapter 3, actually, just in the next verses, um, Jesus is actually doing some things with his disciples. And um, my Bible is sticking together. So I will just say this. uh, Jesus says that he's working with his disciples. And in verse 22, uh, he ends up coming before them. And it says he is baptizing them, right? As they went away, he was doing some baptizing. And a huge moment of Jesus with his disciples. What does that even look like? It doesn't give us much of an image. So let's turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, starting in verse 30. Acts 16 and verse 30. There's a storyline going on here, and this is a, a, a jailer, somebody who's watching over the prison. And he's got Paul and some others in prison. They're in prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we just shared right here. And they're in prison for it, okay? And they're in prison for this, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake, and the prison cells open, and everybody stays in their cell. Uh, Everybody say, that's weird, right? Typically when the prison doors open wide, people run, right? And they all stayed in their cells, and when the jailer woke up and he saw that the prison cells were open. He figured it was done and it was time to kill himself when they let him know that they had not run. This is what he said, verse 30. Uh, Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? uh, Hey, we were just talking about that. And what must we do to be saved, right? Romans 10 is very clear. We must believe and we must confess. And, And so his answer, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household, man, get everybody on this plan. Believe in Jesus Christ. Trust in him, worship him, praise him. Make it much about Jesus Christ. That's who's rocking our world. I'm telling you, you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell about the greatness of Jesus in your life and you get to share that out at the weirdest times. And all of a sudden, somebody's life gets rocked for it. Be real, be transparent, and call them to belief in Jesus. You never know when the Holy Spirit's going to stir. You just never know. And uh, in the midst of it, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. See, I love it. They didn't just give him a command and say, on our authority, do this. They then pulled up the word of God and they began to walk through it and make it clear 
that belief is what's called for, that Jesus is the answer. He is the Messiah. He is risen again, and they made clear from the word what to do and who he is. It says, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. And, uh, and what is baptized? This is a moment where there's water. The word baptizo, it means to be immersed, to go down into and come out of. If you go to Romans chapter 6, it means to go down into the water like into the death with Christ and up into new life. It's a symbol. Everybody say it's a symbol. It's a symbol, man. That's all it is. It's a symbol that represents I've trusted Christ. I believe in him. He's my God. And while I was already condemned, I went down into death, but I came up not condemned. New life. I'm saved. I'm washed. He's my Savior. And this is a symbol of him already doing that work in me. Baptism. It's for people who are already saved, and they're showing the world through testimony and action that it's true. It's happened in their life, and they're following after him, okay? These verses here, to believe and be baptized at once, um, the order goes belief and then baptism, okay? So if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I have a simple question. Have you been baptized since trusting in Christ? And uh, I know some of you right now are like, it was such a nice day and I was going to stay home. I knew I should have. And uh, come on, man. It's time to take a stand with our Savior, right? And so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to have the ushers come forward, and they've got some cards in their hand. And what we're going to do is we're going to pass these down the row, okay? We're going to pass one of these cards. These cards go down the row. Every single person takes one. Uh, who takes them? Every single person. I'm a visitor. Take a card, okay? Every single person takes a card. Uh, then what we're going to ask you to do is if you want to be baptized, Fill this out today, right now. We're going to take just a little bit of time right here, and you're going to fill out the card right where you're at, okay? So you're going to get a few moments right now to be filling the card out, all right? So if you want to be baptized next week with us, fill this card out. If you've already been baptized or some, for some reason it doesn't work to be baptized next week, then just hold on to the card blank. Every single person is going to hand the cards back to the ushers on their way out. Uh, empty or filled out, just hand them back to the usher. They'll sift through them, all right? So if you want to be baptized with us, man, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you have not since stood up and said, I'm trusting him, I'm in, man, this is a great opportunity to be baptized, hear me now, at once. And let's get after it, all right? And so everybody's got their cards, be filling that out. While we're doing that, I'm just going to say this. A few frequently asked questions that we often get about baptism. Ready? Here we go. What if I was baptized at another church after being saved? I've already trusted Christ, uh, and I was baptized there. What do I need to do? And, and uh, yeah, so we say it this way. So we're not a cult. So you're not getting baptized into Harvest Bible Chapel. You're getting baptized into the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and so if you've been baptized somewhere else after believing, we're great with that, okay? You don't need to be baptized here. And uh, what if I was baptized by sprinkling? After salvation, where they took some water and they sprinkled it on, they didn't do the immersion thing. I believed, and then I was baptized, but it was sprinkling. And so we usually say it this way. Um, it's not about how wet you get. 
Okay, so it's okay if you got the sprinkling thing. We would just ask this. Sometimes they're not quite understanding what baptism's all about. And if you think it wasn't clear and you weren't taking a stand for Christ, that wasn't clear, and you want to do it with us here to make it clear you're standing for him, we're great with that. And if you think it was totally clear, then we're great with that. Then you don't need to, okay? So whatever you decide on that one and we'll work with you, uh, let us know, all right? Uh, What if I was baptized as an infant? Okay. Now remember, it's belief and then baptism. So if we were baptized as an infant, we did not have the chance to believe yet. That was actually our parents and their beliefs that were being modeled there, which is awesome. And so there's nothing against it, but this is an opportunity for you to be able to stand up and say, I believe. In fact, even to say, the work that you had so prayed for and hoped for, mom and dad, it's true in me, right? And being able to stand up. Yes, if you've been uh, baptized as an infant, but... Uh, afterwards you believed, then yes, we would say, come get baptized with us next week, all right? And uh, do this with us. If this is an issue with your family, which sometimes it can be, we totally understand that. Come talk to us as pastors. We'd love to help you navigate those waters, okay? And uh, we have navigated the waters with a lot of people, and uh, we do uh, have some good word for it, and we would love to be able to see you join us, all right? Um, One last question. This is the first time I'm saying this publicly. (laughs) but I'm going to say this. We've had the question a number of times, hey, how, uh, how old do you need to be to get baptized? And I'm just going to tell you, Scripture isn't like directive on that. So one thing we have seen, I'm just going to be real with you now, one thing we have seen with the way we do baptisms here is kind of junior high age and up, they're able to process what's going on, they grasp what's happening, they can give some testimony to that, and, and so we call that out. Do we have a biblical passage for that? Nope. Do we have some experience behind it that has said that? Yeah. So we would tend to recommend, probably think junior high age, but again, that's, we'll just want to walk it through that way. So I'm at least giving you some guideline on that, okay, parents? And uh, one last question. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it, Tim. I don't know what baptism celebration week looks like. Everybody says it's so great, and I don't know what it's going like. And, and uh, okay, check out this video, and uh, we'll see what it's like. Why do you want to be baptized today? To shout to the world that he's my king and that Zach Zobris is dead and Christ is alive in me. Amen, brother. Amen. I want to be baptized because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my savior and I want to show everyone that I'm not ashamed of who Christ is. It's about time. It's about time I overcome all the excuses that I come here in front of all these people. To, to let you know, to let God know, my family know that I accept Jesus, that he is my savior, and I'm all in. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Till all my fears are gone Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child 
always struggling with anxiety through life and finally went alone in my basement and was sitting there and started crying and I just put my heart down and laid myself open and asked God to just come in. Then when I was 15 years old, my family had moved to Mexico to do missions work and I decided then I wanted to, out of fear of judgment and out of you know pride of being able to say I could save myself, I wanted to earn my salvation. I'm a recovering addict and uh, God put a lot of obstacles in my way to help me stop using and then uh, he saved my life physically. Uh, I got a really good friend of mine that's in the back there that uh, he could see my struggling, he could see me fighting that fight, helping see that I wasn't going to do it alone, that I, I needed Jesus there to, to, to pull me through and I needed to give my life to Christ and all and realized really quickly, by God's grace, how in need of a savior I was. About two years ago here at VBS at Harvest, and that was the time that I needed to do it. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. What's, what's your life like with Christ now, Ronnie? Much more peace. Um, go, go to Him each day. I've got, I've got the Holy Spirit guiding me. It's amazing how He works in your life. Thank Him so much for what He did in His life and what He's doing in mine now. Uh, I mean, everything is completely different. I want to do everything with Him. Amen. Why do you want to be baptized today, Nora? I want to be baptized because I want everybody to know that I love Jesus. Child of God. 
Amen. All right, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Why don't you just take a seat for a minute here? And I'm just going to ask you, for those who want to be baptized next week, man, just take a moment here with the instruments playing to fill this card out. All right? Let's make sure that we get these things filled out. Just take a minute right where you are, and uh, let's make sure we get them in. And then remember, all cards get handed back to the ushers on the way out. So we'll just give everybody a minute here and uh, reflect back on the greatness of your king while you're sitting here. And the fact that we are a child of his, already condemned, condemned no more. And all of God's people said,